Welcome to the Queer Spirituality Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Crossenhill. This podcast is about an idea. It's the radical idea that queerness is a gift and that the divine celebrates it rather than merely accepts it. We'll explore the special role that queer people are meant to play in the coming spiritual awakening. Through the lives and stories of queer people, we'll explore the many ways of approaching the divine and how the sacred reveals itself in everyday actions. Most of all, this is a podcast about love. It's about the love of the universe. It's about love between people. And it's about the love a community can share with one another. Thank you for joining me. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Queer Spirituality Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Crossenhill, and with me today is a special guest, Devin Hunter. Devin Hunter is the best-selling author of The Witch's Book of Power, The Witch's Book of Spirits, The Witch's Book of Mysteries, The Critically Acclaimed Modern Witch, and Crystal Magic for the Modern Witch. Initiated into multiple occult orders, Devin is the founder of the Sacred Fires tradition of witchcraft and co-founder of the Black Rose tradition of witchcraft. He hosts the Modern Witch podcast, recommended by both the AV Club and Glamour, and he's co-owner of Detura Trading Company. Visit him at modernwitch.com. Welcome to the show, Devin. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Devin and I have known each other for a while, so this is going to be kind of a, a casual moons. conversation. Yeah, it's sort of like catching up. Um, so the what are the questions I always like to ask guests on my show first off, just to get started, is what does queer spirituality mean to you? Oh my goodness, that has evolved so much over the years. I actually remember when I met you, you were um, helping put on an event in Ohio uh, that was for men who loved men. And I remember being there, having this great time, feeling like for the first time in my life, like my like my sexuality was something that I could be part of my spirituality in a positive way. So excited. And then I got home and I joined the email list and I got into this really interesting discussion um, with some of the other people who had been there and really over their use of the, the term queer and identifying queer spirituality. And I had such a negative guttural like response to this because in my head I was still you know a 14 year old 15 year old walking through the halls of school being called a faggot and queer and you know all of those things <laughs> so I was I it really bothered me and I was like no I'm, I'm not going to add that word to my spirituality and then I walked away from that and I sat on that and I realized holy crap there are these people who are not just like reclaiming the word clear or queer as part of their spirituality but they're doing it in a way that's lifting other people up and how amazing is that and maybe if i just kind of shut up for a second and i just paid attention i might be able to get something really great out of it so that was the journey that's that was the start of the journey and every year i think i unfold the new or i peel back a new layer of the onion and i'm like oh Oh, you know, so as a queer person, as a, as an occultist, I, I feel like the occult is inherently queer. Um, and like, no matter where you go, no matter which way you're looking at it, there's some queerness going on. So I, I find queer spirituality to really be identifying and celebrating those mysteries inside of ourselves, regardless of where they come from or how they might manifest. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's interesting that you had that reaction to queer because long, long ago, I had sort of a similar reaction to it, um, you know, even before we knew each other. And I think it's, in a way, it's sort of that toxic masculinity that gets like embedded in us, we, you know, as gay men, we identify as like, we're men where we want to be perceived as masculine and all of these things to sort of, we want to feel like we can pass, right? Because it, mm-hmm. it's really about the, about realness. Can we pass as, as straight? And, and queer feels like like an insult to that or like we're being called out or something. And, and it's interesting to the evolution that w- we seem to go through um, mm-hmm. in our journey to reclaiming queer as something that's positive and also allowing masculinity to be more of the spectrum that it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I know in my case, I, I very much, like I, tried so hard for so long to to pass and I didn't realize that's what was going on but that's totally what was going on and I can totally pass for uh you know a cis head dude walking around the streets until I open my mouth now and then as soon as the purse falls out it's all over and um and I (laughs) I think and it's funny because I actually I really enjoy that I love being this like kind of mask presenting person and then you start talking to me and then you're like that that dude is a flamer. Like, I love that. I love twisting that. I love, I love seeing people's like, like click in their heads, like, oh, he's gay. You know, like, I really enjoy that now. Whereas before I, I would very carefully watch people's responses to how I would say words. And, you know, and it was just, it's that living in your closet and not realizing how absolutely uncomfortable that closet is, even after, you know, you think you've left it. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's this beautiful process of, just discovering how queerness emanates from us and then ultimately um, shapes the world around us and how we we relate to ourselves, reality, with the way that we treat ourselves, all of that stuff. So queer spirituality is like, it's this term and it's a big one for me and it's evolved over the years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, and I love that, the, that our spirituality and, and queer spirituality evolves for each of us. Um, over the years, as we as we learn and grow, there's sort of this evolution of what what these terms mean to us. Um, it's interesting what you were talking about about sort of passing and feeling the need for that. Like you're from the Midwest, which is mm-hmm. you know where I live, and it definitely I see that more here than like when I'm on either coast. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a big thing. It was, coming out to California was, um, I, I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area from like Podunk, like outskirts of Cincinnati, very small town. And um, it was, <laughs> and I had lived in Columbus for a while as a as a 19 year old. And I got to go to the gay Columbus scene and got to go to the bars and do all the fun stuff. And then I, I was 21 when I moved out or 22 when I moved out to California. So I had done the, the husband hunting I had done the uh which is a big thing for the the queer the gay community specifically out there um everybody wants a husband because you have to fit into the the picture that everybody is painted yeah um and you know and that if so if, if they weren't like looking to settle down immediately they were looking to do the exact opposite and it was really just anxious there was a lot of anxiety and like anxious energy in the queer community and didn't matter where I went, whether it was in a club or a bar or whatever, right? Uh, go to Comfest, go to Pride, there's just a lot of anxious energy. I remember 
being in Cincinnati, working for AIDS volunteers in Cincinnati and being the condom fairy at Pride one year. And we went through the safe part of the of, of the town. We didn't do anything to rile any feathers up. We still had all of this negative, you know, people still driving by saying stuff and whatnot. But going through and doing um, gay pride there was this eye-opening experience because I thought, you know, you get to a city, right? I'm in this small town gay boy and you get to a city and that's where all the stuff happens. No, Cincinnati's very tiny. Um, and, the, and the pride community there is very tiny. Um, and then Columbus was the natural progression, right? So you go up to Columbus, way bigger community. And I'm like, I've landed. These are my people. And it wasn't until I moved out to California that I realized like, I'm approved. Like, it, and I was like, uh, compared to my friends in Columbus and, and whatnot, I, I was a, a very open person who was very um, adventurous. And then I moved to California and I realized, no, like I'm approved compared to these people. So it was a, it's a big <laughs> eye-opening experience, not just, you know, sexually, but just what people are willing to talk about um, very honest, very honest people in, on the West Coast. And for the good and for the bad, it is what it is. Uh, but whereas in the Midwest, it felt like the, the people there just try to survive because it's so hard to live in, in, in a certain environment. Out here, there's this complete rejection of that, where anything that makes us feel like we are being forced to just survive is anathema to our growth and so we we get upset about things in a way that i i wouldn't have been upset i would have been more willing to put up with certain things if i lived in ohio not coming out here having these experiences than i would now and you know i've been here for going on 14 years and a couple months and i i do not think i could move away from california like i love the people i love the the way um, queerness is accepted here, even in the the rural pockets and the and the very um, conservative pockets, I, I actually have a, a gig where I work in a very conservative part of California. It's nothing like conserv. It's nothing like liberal Ohio. I mean, it's very weird. It's very different. It's a very so. I I feel like I can be more of myself out here. I feel like I can explore what that means to be myself out here in a way that I didn't get to do in the Midwest. And I I'm about to uh, this week. I'm flying back to visit my mom in Ohio and uh, introduce my my new uh, legal husband to my, my parents. And I'm like, I'm very like, okay, you've never been to Ohio. This is what it's going to be like. Expect this to happen and expect to see these signs and expect to have it. And so just preparing myself mentally to go back into the Midwest is, um, it's making me really feel blessed to be where I am and to be loved by who I'm loved by and to have the family that I have where I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and Ohio is like living in another country because, you know, I my my mom is from Indiana, but I'm not from Ohio. You know, I mm -hmm. grew up all over, you know, overseas and out in New Mexico. And so I am much more liberal than even the liberal Ohioans. And so it, it mm -hmm. is an experience sometimes being here. Yeah, it feels. Yeah, it's definitely definitely like another country. So you've written a number of books on witchcrafting, and, and you teach in several different traditions. And you mentioned Between the Worlds, which, of course, was a festival of just all queer men, um, you know, being out in not quite a whole week, but being out in the woods, doing ritual, having workshops, and, and just being in that, like, all queer space. And now you teach very diverse audiences. Do you miss having that sort of queer, dedicated space? I don't, but it's because I have it. So I belong to a queer coven of, of gay men. So we are we are a coven of men who love men called the Brotherhood of the Seder. And so I get my queer spirituality fixed now uh, because it's so important. And when I moved out here, my my two partners, Storm and Chaz, 
because we're poly, so there's, there's now four of us, but originally there were three. Um, and when I first moved out here, they already belonged to this group and they were like leaving on the full moons. And I'd be like, what are you doing? Where are you going? What, what is this gay coven you're part of, right? So I, I definitely, I, I, I showed up just to make sure they weren't doing anything that I wouldn't approve of, right? Like make sure they're not having sex in some gay orgy or something. So I went up thinking, you know, oh, I've got to protect my territory kind of a thing. Very insecure little gay boy. Um, and what I found was this community of gay men that sex wasn't at all, like that's so not a thing that we even, even focus on. Um, it, it's more about just being queer together and talking about our queer experiences and finding places within the spiritual world where there is a pocket of queerness and like, as I said before, kind of celebrating that, bringing that out. Um, a lot of that work is, you know, looking at, at different cultures around the world that, you know, members belong to and saying, hey, I found this myth, this myth that I had never heard of when I was a kid and it's totally gay. So let's do, you know, and bringing those things into our queer space. And so I'm lucky in that I get that. I'm also partnered to Storm Fairy Wolf, who is a big old gay um, warlock who talks about queer spirituality all the time. So I get to be there and I get to support those things and be part of his process. And so I don't feel like I lack for that. I often feel like I'm not doing enough for the community though. So I've, I've been kind of struggling with that little thought, this pride of like, you know what? My my partner's doing this really great job at, at highlighting the community and being there for the community. And I think I had had some um, tricky experiences early on when I first uh, started uh, writing and podcasting with um, aspects of the, of the uh, well, queer community. And so yeah. I think I got a little, I, I, I think I got a little um, gun shy, we'll say, about uh, about talking about certain things, um, just because I'd rather they're, you know, I'd rather not have to go through all of this stuff. But so, you know, as a result of that, I, I think I probably have stayed quiet in ways that I, I prefer not to. So I'm going to try to fix that this year. That's kind of a personal goal. Um, things I've been meditating on with pride. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do with that. Um, for those of you who are tuning into this podcast, maybe for the first time to hear Devin, um, Storm has been on the show a few episodes back. So definitely go go hear what Storm had to say about queer spirituality. Um, I, I want to highlight what you were saying there about when you first started writing and podcasting and some of the reaction mm -hmm. you got, because I think sometimes that that's a problem in the, in the queer community that we don't always support each other enough. And mm -hmm if someone is successful and for whatever reason, maybe we don't personally click with them or, or whatever, there tends to be this like shadiness that happens, you know, Oh, it's because of who they're with or because of where they live or because of this or because of that and not because they worked hard for it. And mm -hmm. I, I know that you've experienced this in your work mm -hmm. and I've definitely certainly experienced it in mine. And what do you think it is about the queer community that we can't just celebrate for each celebrate each other's successes together because I know in in queer spirituality groups that are, are that are close that I've been part of we do that but in mm -hmm. the greater community we seem to have a real problem with that. So I think it gets out of that survival thing, um, and I, I've I've been I've gone through experiences where I was really hurt by people, and then I have to take a step back and and take you know all of the inventory and and what did I do what what did, what was my part in it but then also. What were the circumstances and things surrounding that 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 maybe um, highlighted some of those issues or something for people? So, in my case, um, there's you know I, I get the like 
the gay dudes who are a little jelly, um, especially when it comes to anything with love, uh, because I have multiple partners. And so something I'm so sick of hearing about is like, oh, I can't even find one boyfriend and you've got three partners, you know, I, mean, I can't control that. I have no idea what to do. <laughs> That's this, this beautiful <laughs> thing that happened to me, but I'm not going to you know, feel bad about that. Um, so I get that kind of stuff. And there's there tends to be um, a lot of dismissiveness even about my books, because I have multiple partners, which is a very interesting, very strange thing to me. Um, people refer to like us as the harem, which is just just very dismissive. And I'm like, what does that have to do with me talking about ghosts? Like, that's weird. Uh, so, you know, there's there's things like that that I've got. And when I and I can just look and realize like this has nothing to do with me. I need to let it go. Um, the, the real hard part has actually been dealing with like trans radical exclu ex exclusionists. Um, and how that has shaped the way that I will approach things. So early on, I was um, many, many moons ago, over a decade, a decade ago, uh, there, there was a big hot debate on whether trans uh, women should be allowed in spaces or not, uh, in, in all women's spaces. And I, you know, I, as, a, as a pagan, as an occultist, I'm like, we all deserve our own spaces, no matter who you are, regardless, I don't care what the rules are, you deserve your own space. Like we all deserve that. The language, however, was bothersome. The calling uh, trans people trannies and again, the diminutive language, like you can say, hey, we need our own space without hurting somebody else and like directly being offensive. And that was the stuff that I took offense to. And, and, and because here's the thing, trans people in our spaces shouldn't have to defend themselves. That's, that's not their job. Their job is to show up and, and be spiritual. If you've been here for a minute, uh, it is your job to stand up for people who are who are being put down or diminished. Wow. And so um, so I stood up and was like, and all of you, and I, I said a lot of things I'm, I'm very proud of, and I stand by everything I said and did. And uh, the, you know, but it, the result of that was uh, people were trying to dox me. Uh, we had, which was funny because I owned a metaphysical store and I work for myself. So what are you going to do, you know? But um, there was this, there was a lot of attacks and a lot of like weird, underhanded, very creepy, personal, like, I don't care. Like you're upset because I said trans people should be allowed in a circle. Why are you trying to call my former boss to get me fired? Like really weird stuff. So it just got to the point where I realized like, this is not the, this isn't spiritual. This is, this is yeah. uh, not in the way that I want to practice my spirituality. This is somebody's, um, somebody's hurt, somebody's wounded and trying to hurt the rest of us. And I am not going to participate in that, but I'm also not going to let them continue to hurt people I love or continue to hurt people who are hurting already. Like don't kick people while they're down, especially when they're coming to some, a place like queer spirituality to be healed and yeah. to find strength and power. So for me, what, what grinds my gears more than anything is, is when we have, uh, it, it's the cutting out of certain members of the LGBTQ plus community um, I, I am a LGBTQIA plus guy. I believe that everybody should be here. I believe, yeah. um, cause I was, I benefited, I benefited from that mentality when I joined, you know, when I came out in the closet and I joined the community, I benefited from this huge diverse community of people and viewpoints and, uh, skin tones and, and, you know, uh, sexual in, uh, orientations and interests and, and uh, spectrum identities and all of that. I benefited from having relationships with these people. And so to see the rejection of those people all of a sudden happening because of right-wing propaganda uh, is really disheartening for me. So I, I will always stand on that, on that soapbox. It'll be the hill I die on. I do not care. 
empathy should drive our, our spiritual progress, I think, as, as a community, period. And when that stops happening and we get filled with all this ego stuff, we have to ask why. And, and it comes to that survival place. It always gets down to they feel threatened, their survivability, their, you know, their identity feels threatened by this other thing that's going on. And it just simply doesn't need to be that. It's like, you know, it, it just, it, it's a focus, it's a choice. And it isn't um, something that's great. So in the queer community, that's the stuff that bothers me probably more. I can handle the the shady jealousy stuff. I can like I, I that's just people being people. But it's yeah. the the queer community's rejection right now of of our trans family that's really getting under my my skin more than anything. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I've I've benefited from having some very good friends who have been trans themselves and um, sharing space with them and just gleaned a lot of spiritual wisdom from them as well. So I, I remember when a lot of that was going on with Pantheacon and, and other organizations were, were struggling with those things and, and it and it did get kind of ugly. And I think I think the queer community sometimes can get ugly. Um, you know, I, I left a group that was very had become very toxic and went off to do my own thing and it was unbelievable the just the the poison and the vitriol that was directed at me because I chose to to leave. Um, and for a while, you know, it's almost like a knee-jerk reaction. You kind of go, okay, I don't want to do anything with the queer community anymore. I'm going to go, you know, take my, pack up my toys and go play somewhere else, right? And and just like go do that. But I, th I like what you said about there were people that, people who still need healing and they're acting out of that place of being, damaged or tra traumatized or whatever that they haven't healed from that is um causing them to lash out in that way and you know if we as, as spiritually aware people say okay i'm gonna pack my stuff and go somewhere else how are they gonna find that healing if we aren't there providing providing the evidence that it's possible and and pointers to the to the path well and then the other flip side of that too, because 1000% valid points were made there. Um, but then the addition to that is that who's left to teach them. And usually yeah. it's, it tends to be the most damaged people, the most, <laughs> and that's, and it's, it's yes. I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm just like, this is the observation yeah. is, uh, yeah. and those people tend to be destructive of other people when they're trying to build community. It's a whole thing. So there's a lot of psychology <laughs> yes. um, to all of this, but but yeah, so my thing has been like, I, I, I watched, I left a community and a couple of years later, I saw that it's uh, other people had joined and had turned it into a very just destructive thing and realizing yeah. that it was really, well, who, who was left to fill the void of, of the, you know, the heart centered person, you know, and, and that person, um, was just really destructive and because they were out for their own thing and, and that's it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you're, I never wanted to be a spiritual leader. Like, I hate that word, that term. It bothers me. I, did a, I never wanted. And I think I had, like, when I was young, where well, you know me when I was, like, young, young. And I had, yeah. I, I had endeavors. I wanted to be a published author. I wanted to, um, I, I, well, I wanted to be successful. That was a very important thing for me. Success, financial success is important because I have to pay bills, right? Um, and there's a lot of sacrifices that go with this type of work that we do. And so if, if it isn't financially rewarding it's um it's a problem so you know we've got those things and i want i wanted to 
get a, I wanted to be married. I wanted to have all of these things. Like when I, when I first set out to do this, I had a very different agenda. Um, and you just grow, you just get up one day and you realize that you're full of shit. You're causing a bunch of shit and you just need to move on. Right. And it's the stuff that's like, you don't think about it because you're, you're just swept up in somebody's drama or somebody's moment or somebody's whatever. But the big thing for me is I realized I really do genuinely, like I want to be liked. That always gets me in trouble. Um, <laughs> I want to be heard. That always gets me in trouble. Um, and I want to be uh, uh, like helpful to people. That always gets me in trouble. And those three parts of my personality, when you put them all together, makes me loud and obnoxious sometimes and, and all of those things. And, you know, I can take up a lot of space that I don't need to take up. And I think a big part of that growing, which is realizing you're taking up too much space, dude, like sit down, let somebody else talk, let somebody else sh show up to the moment. And that's what being a leader really is, is going through that, that, that process of stripping away all of that ego stuff so that you can show up and do work. So I never wanted to be a spiritual leader. I, I, I know you, that wasn't your plan either. It just kind of things happen, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, because somebody's got to show up to do the stuff. So when you leave, it's like, well, who's going to show up to do it? You don't even know. So that's the stuff that really like, you know, in our, and especially in the Bay area recently, we had a really large, uh, like, I want to say around a thousand people like ish uh, group that was just completely destroyed because the, the high priestess was sexually abusing her members and the whole thing just went kapluff. And it was the pinnacle of like what pagan community should be like on the outside. It looked, it was so organized. They had multiple groups. They were doing full moon, everything. They were doing new moon, everything. They were doing classes for all of those things that like in your head, you go, Oh, I would, I want to do this. They're, they were doing all of it. And it was ruined by this, this thing that happened. And it was very destructive and it affected not just their community, but all of these other communities because their community was so big that they had members in everybody else's communities. So it was one of these things that like the ripple effect was so damaging. And it was from this queer person who, you know, we were like, oh, you know, this is the, the a queer leader we can, we can stand by. And it was just this destructive thing. So it's like, it doesn't matter. Who you are, it doesn't matter what you're 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 doing, your ego can get in the way. And if you're not yeah. approaching things for the right reasons, um, then you're you're just gonna step in it. Like it's just gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's an interesting dynamic that the people who often make the the best and, and most heartfelt leaders are those who really don't want to be leaders who sort of reluctantly end up in that role. And the ones that really you got to sort of watch out for are the ones who just desperately want to be a leader. So. Exactly. That, that's, that's like the number one is, do they want the job? Then they don't get the job. No. But that's kind yeah. of like what you like every, you, you stop and go, all right, what's going on? Like motive is very yeah. important with those things. For yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you, you have a lot of projects that you are doing. Devin, you have done a tremendous amount of things with Modern Witch and uh, Black Rose and all the different traditions, all the different books. What's next for you? Oh, goodness. Um, well, so I, I, uh, I'm in a weird place in life, um, in a beautiful place in life, but I'm in the place where I realized the initial um, task that I had set for myself, uh, which was to write the, what it would be coming, which is the, the Witch Power series. That's done. And so the, I had made deals with my spirits and my gods that I would do X, Y, Z. And I did those things. And they have responded by giving me, me X, Y, Z in return. So I, I've met my original uh, goal. 
And then I wrote three books after that. And so I'm in this place of, um, which are the, the pictorial books, which are great. I've won awards for those books. I'm very happy. And it's like an amazing thing. Um, but the flip side of it is that it, it's, I'm definitely in that place of like, well, what, what do you do now? Um, so I have decided to go on a little bit of a rampage as a writer. I'm um, uh, focusing on some of my original work, which was in the psychic world. And so I'm gonna I'm going back to that for a couple books um, and partnering up with some other authors. I can't say anything yet because we're, we're, we're literally negotiating contracts, sure. but um, working with some other people there. Um, and then I'm, I'm on kind of a mission to help um, myself and others uh, with uh, daily practice or, um, or solitary practice stuff, um, specifically creating a solitary uh, tradition for yourself that is something that's empowering spiritually to you, that gives you answers that you need for you. Um, and solitary witchcraft isn't really set up for that. Solitary witchcraft is a lot of usually like a lot of spells and discomparted, you know, uh, separated ideas and things that are just kind of thrown at you and you get to go through a jumble. But if you're, if you need a spiritual foundation that is beneficial to you, to you as a person, that's a hard thing to find sometimes. So I'm on a, on a goal to, to write and develop a lot of content through Modern Witch, that's all about that. So that's my summer. My summer is working on that on that project. Um, we are going to hopefully have uh, re revive Modern Witch magazine and have it come out this winter with a, a whole beautiful thing that's going to be going on with that. Um, and I got festivals. I mean, I'm, I am all over the place, but the 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 goal is to focus on writing and, and community stuff. But the flip side of it is that I started writing non or I started writing fiction for the first time, um, seriously. So I, when I was a kid, I wanted to do it. And I have this like thing as an occultist and you may, I, I, I suspect you would agree, uh, but my I have this theory that if you are a successful occultist, then your magic is going to um, provide fruit in your life and that are, that is going to provide stability and, and, and things like that. So my, uh, my goal as a fiction writer is to do some of the things I couldn't do as a, a nonfiction writer. And I um, am hopefully going to um, be able to, to get away with a lot more um, when it comes to finances and it comes to security, building retirement, you know, those sorts of things. So I'm, my goal is to put the magic where the fiction is um, and just go there with it. You know, I, I, I am, I'm in a good place in my life. I have a lot of interest in my work in a very strange way I never thought I'd have. Um, and it's, it's this really exciting place. So figuring out what to do next is, um, it's hard. It's so hard, but I know I, I'm, I'm focusing on fiction. I wrote a, uh, a sci-fi, uh, novella series that I have out, um, that is, I had to take down and it's being looked at by agents now. And so there's like a lot of really cool shit going on right now. Like I'm very, very excited. Um, and, it, but the projects are flowing like madness right now. So it's either grab a bucket or, you know, put on some sunscreen. It's one of the two. And, and right now we're grab a bucket. So, um, the creative juices are flowing. There's lots of different projects, but as a, as a nonfiction occult writer, it's going to be a psychic development for the next two or three books. And then I'm going to get into some really deep occult stuff because book sales are slowing down. So it's not so much a matter of like writing the next big book because that's not going to be happening for a while. Now it's about writing the book you want to write uh, and getting away with some things you couldn't probably get away with before. So I'm going to, yeah, I've got all kinds of interesting plans.
Great. Yeah, I could go Wonderful. literally blah, 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 go on and on. For <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can understand. I'm very similar and always having a lot of irons in the fire. Um, as we sort of wind down our, our, our time here, is there anything that you would want to share with a queer audience about queer spirituality, about your own path that we haven't had time to cover? Um, well, I think we kind of hit on something, actually, which is that there's this amazing diverse community that we have inside of the queer community. And like you and I had said, you know, uh, having relationships with people who are not our type of queer, right? They're queer, but maybe they're not on the, the place on the spectrum we are and listening to their stories and making sure that you are uh, taking the wisdom that they're sharing because there's wisdom in every story and you're, you're making space for them and that wisdom. I think that is the number one thing that we, especially as uh, you know, white cis men uh, who are queer can do in, a, in, in, a, in our community right now um, is shut up and let other people talk, make space for that and really listen. And I think if we can do that, your spirituality, my spirituality has been, was so changed by uh, a woman who, uh, a trans woman who went by the name of Isis. And I met her at a lesbian dive bar in Cincinnati. Um, and we were on the back patio. Uh, it was 2000 and seven and I was smoking an obscene amount of cigarettes at the time being a broody little you know young man and she came up to me and she said hello darling what's your name and I said oh I'm Devin nice to meet you and she said I am Isis I am a goddess and that conversation changed my life it was this beautiful (laughs) trans person who gave no crap about anything anybody would ever have had to say to her and she gave me and my body dysmorphia and my I don't belong anywhere like headspace, everything I needed to feel confident. And if it wasn't for that trans woman, I definitely would have been in a very different place in life. And I think about her every single day. And so listen to some other people's stories, listen to some other wisdom, incorporate it into your own. And not only will you be a better person for it, but the world's going to be a better person for it. Or the world would be better for it, rather. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a, such great advice. I appreciate you offering that. So modernwitch.com is the best way for people to get a hold of you? Yep. You can go to modernwitch.com, okay. find everything there. I am at Mr. Devin Hunter on all the socials. Awesome. All right. Well, everyone, go, go to modernwitch.com, check out Devin's work, check out his books, and you know connect with him on socials. Devin, thank you so much for for being here and talking to us about your particular path in queer spirituality. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. This has been the Queer Spirituality Podcast with Julian Crossan Hill. If you enjoyed this show, please consider leaving a rating on whatever site you get your podcasts at. Rating the show allows other people to discover it and be exposed to these ideas around queer spirituality. You can also find my blog and past episodes of this podcast at www.queerspirituality.net. That's www.queerspirituality.net. You can also there find links to the Queer Spirituality Facebook group, my various social channels where you can get involved in the discussion or send me your feedback or questions or things you'd like to hear on the show. Thank you again for listening and for your support. Bright blessings.